focused on cloud, publication, data center industry, trends, the dynamic market. Good morning, everyone. It's Dan Scarborough here with Data Center Hawk. Very excited today. I'm joined by Tor Christian Guyland, who is the uh, CEO of Green Mountain. Hi, Tor. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, Dan, and thank you for inviting me. And, and I'm, I'm happy to, to join you today. And Very excited. So, Tor, I'm hoping that uh, a lot of people that are going to be listening will have heard of Green Mountain. Um, maybe uh, a few will have heard of yourself as well. But for those who don't know who Green Mountain are and don't know who you are, could you just give a brief introduction, please, for me? I'll start with Green Mountain. We were founded in, in 2010. Uh, founded by by a family office uh, that has its its um, base in in Stavanger, uh, Norway, a family office called called Smedvig. They have a, a history going back to to 1915, uh, more than a hundred years, and uh, they've been into quite a lot of different industries in in Norway. One of the perhaps most famous industries that they they went into is that uh, when the Americans found found the oil in the North Sea. Uh, Smedvig was the first Norwegian company with oil rigs in the, in the North Sea. Uh, they went out of, of that business in 2006. And, and some of the equity uh, they got from the, the oil rig business were invested in, in different areas. One of them was a fund uh, that had a, an owner uh, on a position or was the owner of Data4 in Paris. So they started to follow the data center business and saw huge advantages of doing data centers in Norway with the, uh, with the green uh, renewable power production, low power price. We'll probably get into that, that uh, uh, further. So they had some plans of doing something uh, within data center. And, and during those times, there was uh, announced that a, a former NATO ammunition storage facility just outside Stavanger was for sale. Uh, it's a facility that consists of six uh, mountain holes with a total footprint of, of just above 22,000 square meters. And uh, they saw that that one was unique for, for building a data center and ended up acquiring that. And, and that's the start of, of, of Green uh, Mountain. Myself, it's, uh, uh, I uh, joined the company in 2011 as the second employee. Almost 10 years, I've almost been here in 10 years. Uh, started as the COO, uh, also had the CTO uh, role. Uh, I started before we had a data center, before we had customers. So I've been more or less involved in building the data centers, building the operation. And I took over as CEO in, in September uh, 2017. Cool. Very interesting. So, so just going on to kind of your footprint, if you like, and I know you mentioned the the main site in the um, mountain hence the name uh, but can you just give me an, a, a view of the kind of megawatt of IT load that you've 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 got access to you've currently built and whether you've got any other locations in Norway other than the the, the main main site as I said it started in, in Stavanger uh, we went in operation uh, with our first customers in uh, in uh, May 2013. Uh, one of the first customers we signed in, in Stavanger uh, challenged us to, to build a second site in, in, uh, in Norway. So we ended up opening uh, a year later in May 2014 in, in Telemark, uh, Rukan Telemark. So we, we, uh, we developed those two sites into to, to some quite unique sites. Uh, we had a, quite a good growth on those. 
but the the main growth uh, happened, uh, I would say, three uh, years ago, uh, where the interest of international clients uh, to Norway uh, increased dramatically, and and we have since since uh, early 2018 uh, more than five four, more than four times the revenue as as we we had done, and and uh, uh, one of uh, the customers that we we had in in our Stavanger facility also challenged us to to do something in the Oslo region, so we ended up uh, uh, acquiring a site, and we opened our first data center in Oslo uh, late last uh, year. So today we have three sites fully operational. We've sold uh, just below 25 megawatt of IT capacity, and it's growing fast. Uh, on these three sites, we have access and have agreements for a capacity up to 140 megawatts, meaning that we could still continue to develop these sites for, for, for quite some time. But due to the, the tremendous interest uh, in, in, in the data centers in Norway, we've also worked to secure uh, additional sites. And we have one that we were calling DC4 Kalbag, that's just south of Stavanger. Uh, where the national grid suppliers are building a new substation, which will be the regional substation, and where you will have a, a, a more or less unlimited access to power. So we, we, we currently have secured an agreement where we could start to build at that location as well. And, and uh, we've said that we, we could build up to 500 megawatts at that site. Uh, I don't think we will do that alone, but, but it's also a good site for other uh, perhaps potential cust customers uh, building themselves or some of our competitors also building building there. I think it's a unique site to, to grow uh, further. In addition to that, we are also secured a, an option for a site just north of Stavanger uh, so that we now have three sites on the west coast of, of Norway uh, as we see quite a lot of interest for, for customer uh, seeing a, a building a, a three site solution. Uh, with, 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 with close vicinity, so, so you can more or less run some synchronous on, on your, your IT operation. Yeah, the availability zones. Yes. Um, so, so, just, so on that, and just to kind of give it a bit of perspective, you know, how, what are you seeing from a demand perspective in terms of megawatts or, you know, what's your, what, what do you see that annual absorption being? How do you see that kind of capacity forecasting out for the next couple of years? If not you put to, it, you know, not to not to tempt fate or anything, but yeah. just what's your kind of view on growth in the Norwegian market? If you put it a little bit in perspective, if you if you see the advantages Norway have, if if you do do the ESG agenda first on sustainability, we Norway has one hundred percent renewable power production. If you look at the best flat D city, uh, it's on thirty five percent, meaning that there is quite a lot of challenges with getting access to re green renewable power. Uh, and you also see that the, in quite a lot of these cities, uh, there are being restrictions on the growth. Frankfurt just announced that they, they are more or less limiting the, the growth path of, of data centers, meaning that, that, that it, it's not that easy to get capacity as it was. Uh, if you then add on with a cost of power, uh, Norway is 75% cheaper than a flat 
these cities, meaning that, that there is tremendous amounts of money to save on actually moving your data centers from the flat these cities uh, to Norway. Uh, we've done calculations on, on power alone. If you have a 10 megawatt facility, you're saving 155 million euros during that 10, 10 years period of moving a data center to Norway. So you get the green uh, and renewable and are able to meet your sustainability goals and you're saving a tremendous amount of, of money. Those things together have generated a tremendous interest from European enterprises, uh, uh, other players as well, to actually build the data center in Norway. And there is one other important element, and that is connectivity. In order to locate your data center in Norway, you have to be able to, to transport your, your data signals uh, with low latency to where the users, users are. And, and due to the, in, the investments that has been done in, in, um, in, uh, out of Norway over the last three to four years, uh, today we're able to reach 54% of all businesses in Europe with less than 20 milliseconds of round trip. Yeah, which is crazy, isn't it? And, and, and as well, with when looking, listening to the experts saying that with 20, uh, 20 milliseconds of round trip, you could move close to 90% of your workload. Does that, does that include the new cable that's landing in Stavanger? Or is that, is that pre that cable or post that cable? It, it's a little bit, currently a little bit both because there has been new cables established. There was a new cable going to the northern part of Denmark that's already in operation. Right. Uh, there is a cable out of Christiansand, a couple of new cables going out of Christiansand. We have the new cable going to Newcastle. That one is, is actually, I have the ship arriving here at my data center uh, next Saturday. Oh, do you really? How exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they will start the, the laying of that cable uh, next, next Saturday, meaning that it's, it's in operation by the end of this year. Uh, so when that cable is in operation, will that change the, the latency? Will that improve the latency at all to, to, to the region? It will improve the resilience because we already today have fiber going out through the North Sea. Uh, and, and so, so we, we already have those latency numbers today, but that cable will in, also in, uh, improve the capacity and the resilience. But we are already today able to, to reach 54% of European companies with less than 20 milliseconds round trip. So, so if you look at kind of your pipeline and not, you know, or, or inquiries, let's put it at inquiries, not pipeline, you know, how many, are we at hundreds of megawatts of inquiries? Are you, you know, where are you at? What is that demand? What is that interest level like? Or what are you seeing from a, a, an IT uh, megawatt demand perspective? You're at 100 plus megawatts. 100 plus. And That's what exciting. we see as well, the size of the cases is increasing as well. Going from, from uh, a couple of years ago where you have mainly the enterprises, a half a megawatt or, or just below and above, today we see multiple megawatts per, per, per customers as well. Because uh, we're, we're digressing a little bit, but I think it's interesting. So if you look at the Scandinavian market, kind of the next question that I'm coming on to, the, the Nordics to me are quite different to mm. um, a, a conventional flapped market, right? Because they're more national markets than city 
wide market, right? Um, so, but I haven't, from what I understand, the hyperscalers, which we all know and, and, and love or hate, depending on who you are, um, they haven't yet, they haven't yet built, there's no, not a hyperscale data center self-build in Norway yet, is there? Is that, is that correct? That is, that is correct. Do you see that coming? Do you see a hyperscale kind of data center being built in Norway, being a self-build, or is that something that yeah. you... Yeah, I, I expect, uh, uh, not only one, I expect more to come as well uh, due to the advantages. If you look at the the Nordics in particular and, and see the difference between those those countries, you, you, you go to Sweden where, where you today have power limitation in the Stockholm region. Uh, due to the, the, the main power producing areas in, in Sweden is in the northern part of Sweden. And, and there isn't transport capacity from the northern part to the southern part, meaning that you have limitations in the Stockholm region. They, they, Sweden also have 40% have of their power production within nuclear, uh, which they're, they're, they have a plan of, of, uh, of going away from. And, and doing that, they have to build a building a, a huge amount of wind today. Uh, to be able to, to make that change from nuclear to a, a green renewable <clears throat> production. So, so, but that creates limitations and it's publicly known that, that building a large site in Sweden is, isn't, is a challenge. You've also seen announcements uh, from some of the hyperscalers that they have abandoned plans of doing something in, in, in Sweden. If you go to Denmark, uh, uh, it's quite an interesting. If you look at the amount of power being produced in Denmark versus Norway, so Norway is producing five times the amount of power as Denmark. Uh, so Denmark is today relying on, on quite a lot of import. Uh, they had a, a reduction in, in, uh, in, uh, in their uh, uh, carbon goals. They were actually consuming more carbon if you compare to 2018, 2019, uh, due to the, the growth in capacity in, in Denmark. So, so today, there is challenges of getting power in Denmark to make those large hyperscale builds. You could build a domestic data center to support the domestic workload, but if you're challenging the, the international, the European workload, Denmark isn't the best location. But Norway is. We have a surplus of power today, five times the amount of, of power uh, as Denmark has. And it's also estimated that the power production in Norway will increase by 6% annually for the next 10 years. And due to the amount of power increasing over the next six years, estimates that we have done says that the power price will actually be reduced over the next 10 years versus the opposite in, in Denmark. If you look at the forward prices five years ahead of us, it's estimated that Sweden will be the double of the price of, 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 of Norway. So, uh, uh, yeah. And what, what about Finland? Because I know that one of the big five have got quite a lot of capacity in, in, in Finland. How do you compare to the Finnish market? I would say Finland is also a country, but what, what I've seen is that uh, Finland is, is doing quite a lot of domestic workload and also uh, uh, workload going east. It's all about distance. How close are you to the actual users? Uh, in Sweden, there, there's been a lot of development in the northern part of Sweden. But if you if you if you draw a line from uh, from Paris to the northern part of Sweden, 
our Stavanger facilities are in the middle, meaning that the, the latencies are far lower and you're able to actually move quite a lot of, of additional workload to Norway, the southern part of Norway, then you're able to move to both Finland and, and the northern part of, of, of Sweden. Yeah, it was interesting. I saw the other day that <clears throat> the northern part of Sweden, they've just accepted a big steel production facility as well, which I think is taking two gigawatts of power up there. So I don't believe there are going to be any more data centers going up there for a little while from what, from what but, I understand. But, but the thing is, the northern part of Sweden is quite equal to Norway. There is a surplus of power, and you could also produce more power. Uh, when talking to the, the, uh, the power companies uh, uh, these days, if you, if you look at 2020 uh, isolated, it was raining a lot. I would say maybe due to climate changes. We, we see that in Norway with a lot of more rain. But that gets, by, by, by more rain, we get more water up in the water reservoirs used to produce power. So, so during last year, the power companies didn't have consumers for the power they were able to produce. So they had to let the water flow over the dams and not producing power of it. And we actually have three times last year where we have negative power pricing. Know, Meaning that uh, we, we were paid to use power. <laughs> One of the so on the power side, and, and just a, two kind of questions on that front. Um, so I understand that you're in a you know very one of the lowest regions in Europe, but it's it's quite difficult to forecast because it's hydro on a pricing perspective, right? So depending, I think it's if it's Q4 and Q1, the prices are generally higher than Q2 and Q3 because there's more demand, right? Mm -hmm. So do you do you fix all your power costs for forward looking or do you run a spot rate? How do you see that as a, so the power procurement? And then the second question is, I know there's availability of power, right? But the transformers and the ability to, to get that power onto a site, from what I understand, that's quite challenging and, and there aren't always enough transformers available to actually deliver that power to the customer. What are your comments on those two, two things? Let's start with the, with the power pricing. We, we, uh, yeah, it, it's correct that the, the, the power price is, is quite different uh, during winter and, and summer. Summer is you have, don't have a lot of consumption. A lot of the heating in Norway is based upon electric, electric power. So, so during winter, the, the, the consumption is, is high and the power prices are higher. But we're more or less, when we're out marketing Norway, we, we do the 12-month average. Or today, now we're talking about the average price of, of 2020. And the average price of 2020 was 2.2 uh, euro cent per kilowatt hour. Okay. But it, it, it was lower during the summer and higher during the winter, but the average price throughout the, the whole year. So that's what we're talking about, but it varies. And you could fix your price. You could do it you, one year, three year, five year, 10 year uh, uh, hedge on, on, on the power price, and you will, will get it more or less on, on, on the price that's, uh, that's today. Or you could be open in the spot market. We have some customers that have a fixed price, when we're comparing what they're paying for power and the other customers that that's on the or done the spot market, we see there are saving savings on, on being in a spot market. They've been that since we started, but that could change. Uh, so we, we could offer both models on 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 on, on power and uh, 
and uh, you could as well buy buy it on a five or ten years uh, perspective, meaning that you're able to more or less secure your cost base on on quite a, a long way uh, forward. And then, what about on the transformer side of things? That is, I would say, uh, it's a challenge in Norway. We have a surplus of power. If you if you look at the national grid, there is a there is a surplus of power. If you go to the the um, the regional grid and the local grid, there's been perhaps a little bit of undevelopment in that those area of the grids, meaning that you could face challenges of getting power in 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 quite a lot of of areas. And and but that's what we're using our knowledge when we're doing site selections. When we we ended up in in Oslo, uh, uh, which we opened last year, uh, we used almost a year to identify different locations. Uh, we were looking on on the the vicinity to the Oslo city, the the fiber infrastructure, but the, the most important one was the availability of power. So we we decided to go with one site that we were able to build over time. We had access to power enough for the next three to four years. Uh, and we've started a process with the government where we will build our own transformers going from 132 kilovolt down to 22, meaning that we in three to four years have more or less unlimited capacity, but we have signed an agreement with a grid supplier, the grid company, that we have access to 75 megawatt in Oslo. Okay. So, so, so we have to use our knowledge to more or less overcome those challenges that's, that's with the, the grid in, in Norway. If you look at the, sec- the, 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 the fourth site, the Kalberg site, that one is located less than 1,000 meters from where Statnet, the, the national grid suppliers, it, is building their new regional substation meaning that we're close to where the main connection points of power is and where the surplus of power is is really, really good. And the cost of building those lines and and transformers is is really, really low compared to to other places. So we're using our knowledge to identify and and, uh, get agreements on location that has a, a huge growth potential. Okay, so listen, so well, I know that this isn't necessarily your business per se, but I've seen a huge increase in mining requirements for Norway, mm-hmm. like uh, <laughs> blockchain, crypto mining. Um, now, I know from when we spoke before, they're not services that you deliver, um, but I suppose there's a couple of questions. So Norway didn't accept mining in the country for a while, right? Um, could you just maybe give us your take on, on the mining sector in Norway and, and, and the Norwegian government perspective on it. And then more importantly, is that gonna compromise the availability for other data centers with these you know, huge amounts of capacity that are coming in or potentially coming in from China and the like from a, a mining perspective? If you, if first to the, the, the point where Norway didn't accept mining, that, that, that's not true. Norway accepted mining, but there, there, is, a, there, is, a, there is a tax relief on power for power intensive industry. As Norway has a surplus of power and have had that for decades, I would say the the industrial heritage of Norway is using power intensive industries because we have a lot of power. So so, uh, and and, um, for that reason, 
the power intensive industry have had a tax reduction of 97% on buying, buying power. Uh, uh, data centers were also defined as, as power intensive industry back in 2018, meaning that we're also getting that tax reduction. And it's been like that for decades. Uh, the discussion in Norway was, was uh, that the, uh, the, uh, the mining companies also define themselves as data centers, and they were also granted the same tax reduction, and that created some, some uh, debate, debate in, 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 uh, in Norway. But it ended up with, with saying a data center is a data center. You'll get a tax reduction if you're either doing mining or, or like we are doing uh, a professional co-location. And, and you're getting access to, to really low cost of, of power. And that, that makes Norway an interesting country also for mining. Mm. I, I had a dialogue with, a, with one mining company. We've had a, a lot of interest. They, we, we had a, if you go back a year, I would say we have two, two people calling every day to ask for, for capacity. And I had, a, I had a dialogue with one the other day here that they were planning to build one terawatt in Norway. And they were looking for locations and they were having a little bit of the same challenges as we've had in the 10, year, 10 years we've been, that it's not easy to identify a location where you have that power available yeah. without investing quite a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we have those sites and we have agreement on, on those sites and, and we could continue to grow. And, uh, and those crypto mining companies that they have to more or less do the same job as we've done over the last uh, decades, but it, there is huge interest. And, uh, uh, and uh, uh, is it good? Is it bad? Is is it a data center? Uh, I would say it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a building that has a lot of power, and you you're opening the windows and, and putting in fans. Is that a data center or not? Uh, uh, I would say say, right. Yeah. I mean, I think my take on it is that you know if you've got mining in a renewable location like Norway, and that's removing mining from you know a non-renewable location like China right, then it, the net effect on yeah. sustainability is a positive effect, mm. right? Uh, I also think that there's a, an ability for mining to be proactively used as a form of underwriting renewable energy generation in other locations as well. So I'm, I'm not an advocate, but I'm not, you know, I think it's had a bad press to a certain extent. And I think there is a role for it to play within this, within this sector. So, so just moving on. So, so you're, as you said earlier, you used to be the CTO of the business. Um, um, you know, one of my key interests is the sustainable development side of things. You know, can you just take me through how you're designing your sites? I know you run that at least one of them is 100% on uh, renewable, uh, renewable power, not renewable power, a re cooling from, a, from the fjord, right? Sorry, my brain's not, not working completely. But... Can you just take us through how you're designing your sites and how you're optimizing the build from a sustainability perspective and whether you've been looking at any innovative energy and engineering solutions to increase the performance? Yeah, first of all, what I'm only saying that Norway is, uh, in addition to having uh, cheap power, all green and renewable, it's also cold and wet. Uh, and and uh, uh, living in it is is not uh, the best. That's why we all travel to the Mediterranean every every summer. But for operating data center, Norway is, is ideal. We have a cold and wet climate. The the average temperature is is low, and you're able to build 
really energy efficient solutions. And, and being the CTO of the company, I was, was involved in building the quite unique cooling solution we have at our DC1 Stavanger facility, where we are collecting water from a, a depth of 100 meters. And the water temperature at that depth is constant, eight degrees the whole year round. So what we've done is, 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 is quite, quite uh, unique. We've, we've blasted a, a basin uh, on shore, but the bottom of that basin is five meters below the sea level. And we connected a pipe at the bottom of the basin down to 100 meters, and water automatically flows into the basin and keeps the same level as the sea on the outside. So we have tidal movement on the basin inside the cooling station. So when we're utilizing, pumping that water through the heat exchangers, uh, water are automatically being, being fed in due to gravity into the cooling station. So that solution is one of the most energy efficient solutions worldwide on cooling. Uh, we have partial PUE in cooling equal to zero uh, because we're, we're, we don't have any active uh, components. So, so, so that's something you could do in Norway with access to, to cold water. But then we're, we're doing in, in the Oslo facility, we're using indirect air-to-air -air, uh, with a diabetic solution. It's raining a lot of, in Norway, so we have quite good access to water. And water is not a limitation in Norway at, at all. And by doing those solutions, we're really, really energy efficient during the winter. And, and it, it's a little, a little bit lower uh, during the summer, but overall, we are on PUEs below 1.2. And depending on the, on the efficiency or the, the capacity per rack the customers are running, we also see numbers below 1.15. So really energy efficient, but that's mainly based on the, the cold and wet climate uh, we, we, we have in, in Norway. And, uh, and uh, we, being in the business for 10 years, we have a lot of knowledge on how to utilize that, let's say, cold and wet climate in a way to, to, to make our, our customers energy efficient. So are you running diesel gen sets or are you looking at kind of fuel hydrogen fuel cells? You know, what's are you used to do, are you finding immersion cooling or you know what are you did from another outside of your kind of geographical location and the benefits you've got from there? Are you making any steps at an engineering level to kind of push 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 barriers at all? Our motto is setting the green standard. And and by saying that, we have to more or less look for what's what's next in our business in order to be even more sustainable more energy efficient in 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 a, in, a, in a lot of ways so we we uh, we don't uh, when it comes to fuel cells uh, we don't have anything in operation yet but we have a project uh, uh, actually <clears throat> uh, in our dc2 telemark site the reason for being there is that there is a, a hydrogen a production facility just a kilometer from the site, meaning that we have access to, to hydrogen uh, in, in nearby. That hydrogen is also produced with green renewable power. Uh, and, and the reason for doing that is that we want to innovate. We want to we uh, assist in, in the innovation on going away from fuel cells, uh, from diesel generators and into fuel cells as the, the backup uh, generator. You're, we're not there yet. It's not a product or a solution that's, that's in a way that, that it could be commonly used in all data centers, but someone have to take the responsibility of using them, innovating on them, and, and getting the, the necessary knowledge in order to make that technology available for, for everyone. So we want to be that player, 
setting the green standard. And we're also involved in a, in a couple of other interesting projects where uh, we're, uh, uh, we have a, a company here in, in Stavanger uh, that's doing uh, onshore lobster farming. Uh, they are in the final stage of, of, uh, of getting the necessary approvals to build a lobster farm at our DC1 facility. Oh. Uh, and and the, let's say the challenge with, uh, uh, with uh, being able to reuse the heat, the waste heat of a data center is that it's a low grade heat. So if you're using the waste heat of a data center into a district heating facility, you have to increase the water temperature. We're extracting water at 18 to 20 degrees, and you have to lift it to 60 plus to put it on a district heating uh, facility, meaning that you're, you're losing some of the advantages of actually doing that. But uh, 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 doing lobster farming, onshore lobster farming, the ideal temperature for lobster farming is 19 degrees. Uh, I'm coming. Uh, I'm coming for lunch. Tom. I'm coming <laughs> for lunch. <laughs> so, so, so we we've been working and identifying and seeking solution that could actually reuse the waste water of our DC one facility uh, in in a better way than than building a lot of other infrastructure or more or less a greenwashing uh, uh, project where we're actually. We're using the water in a way that's saving that lobster farm a tremendous amount of, uh, of money in, in energy to yeah. warm, warm the water. So we're taking the water directly from the cooling station into the lobster farm. And, and, uh, and uh, I like yeah, that. I was I like saying we, we, we should get paid in lobster, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I will be there. Um, so just last question on the technology. We've only got a couple more questions, but on the technology side of things, one of the things that I'm quite interested in is how you connect the compute all the way down through the BMS and how you manage the reporting and the controls and all of that side of things using you know, IoT and take the data that you've, you're generating and use that as a way of aggregating and analyzing and, and managing your assets better. You know, where are you at with that side of things? Is that something that you're currently doing or is that an area of improvement that you could improve upon or what's your thoughts on that? I would say we're one of the best in class on that. And we have also been awarded with with quite a lot of awards for our solutions. And uh, the thing, the history is when I I started in in 2011, uh, we were uh, more or less looking into the uh, to the DCIM systems of the different vendors, ended up with uh, I'll not say the name of it, but one uh, one supplier's uh, DCIM system. We installed it. Uh, the license cost was high. The limitations was quite huge, uh, and it ended up with us more or less building solutions around it to give it the, the necessary data uh, we we needed. So I started the project in in 2014 where I engaged a couple of developers and said, I want to build my own DCIM system on top of my BMS system, uh, where I would have it like this. So it's more or less collecting the data and presenting it in a good way. It's that, that's what, it, what, what, what it's all about. And, and also using AI on the data in a way to predict if things should fail. Uh, so we ended up with with developer used a, a little bit more than a year to develop our own system. It's called Green Peak, where 
uh, it consists of, of a solution that, that gives our customers a web portal where they can log onto and see their, their stats of their specific data centers in real time. They can see the PUE, the power consumption down to rec level, temperature down to a rec level. Uh, they can see the carbon emission uh, on their data centers in, in, in real time. Uh, we do all the, the uh, power invoicing uh, from that solution. We're collecting the spot market price hourly from, uh, uh, from, the, uh, uh, from the, uh, uh, the trade organization uh, and, and calculating the consumption, the PUE. And, and, and so we, we're more or less automated the process fully. Uh, uh, and, and it's not something that you're able to buy today out of a shelf. It's something that we have developed and, and it's built on a, on a multi-customer solution. So we, we currently have all our customers with their specific portal getting access to all of these, these data. And we could compare. I could, I could be in a meeting with one customer and I see their average PUE of the last six months is 3% higher than the customer in, in, the, in the next room. And I could, I could say to them, you know that you're not the most efficient, energy efficient customers. And if you do that, that, and that, you could improve your, your energy efficiency by that amount of percent. And you could also save a lot of money. So being That's able to use this solution in such a way, it gives tremendous advantages for us to be able to have full control. And it, it's also one of the reasons for us having 100% uptime since day one. We haven't had any failures, any SLA breaches on, on our customers. And the reason for that is what we say, total control. is AI. We have a lot of sensors monitoring everything, but then doing the AI on it and also presenting it in a way that you're able to read the status of, of the data center. So uh, we're quite mature and uh, have done a lot. And it's all self-built based upon our specifications. That's interesting. So, so last uh, two questions. So we talk, we, there's been a lot of talk about the industry shifting to zero carbon, right? And I can see that you're clearly, you know, on the way. Um, and I say that because I'm talking about embedded carbon, scope three emissions, et cetera. But do, do, you think that, do you think it's realistic that this industry can become zero carbon? And, and you know, if you took, talk about some of the innovations that you've, you've mentioned, are you collaborating at an industry level with other operators outside of Norway to help improve what they're doing? How, how does that, what's your take on that? I think the, the data center business is growing and, and some of that capacity has to be in countries where the challenge with uh, getting access to green renewable power is, is, is huge. So, so based upon that, I, I would say we will still over the next dec decades uh, face challenges with with uh, with with uh, achieving those goals, but uh, I think I think we have to first of all look at countries like Norway, who has access to sur surplus of power and it's green and renewable, and maybe move some of the workload to a location like that instead of transporting the power, which you have quite tremendous loss on power when transporting it. You're building fiber cables and transport the data without any, any, any loss. Uh, I think that's one of the solutions to be, to more or less go and face your targets. Uh, but it, it is a challenge. And, and I would say Norway 
uh, Norway as a country is, is currently, there was an announcement today that they're building, they started to build a new fiber, now a new power cable to Germany to be part of the, the European grid, meaning that if there is a surplus of power in Germany, if it's blowing a lot and there is a surplus of wind power, Norway could import that power and actually reverse their hydropower generators and, and pump water back up in the reservoirs. And then uh, when there is a lack of, of, uh, of power in Germany, you could then uh, use that water that you've stored and, 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 and route the, the, the power back to Germany. So, so Norway could be a battery for yeah. Europe. And, and I would say we have to cooperate far better. We have to use our advantages within Europe and not think like we have borders, but think like we have a common goal of of achieving the, the ESG uh, goals that we have, we have set. And, uh, and moving power one, one way, because data still have to be in Germany. You cannot move everything to Germany. But, uh, but uh, what's, what could be moved should be moved, uh, is, is our, our take. Okay, last question for you. Um, what's next for you guys? I'm assuming, I was going to ask this, but I'm assuming that there aren't any plans to expand outside of Norway. Um, it, it sounds like your business is very focused on the North benefits of Norway. Are you, are you planning on going outside of Norway or what's the plans for, for Green Mountain? It, you have to look a little bit on the, on the different type of workloads because we think today that Norway is unique for European workload that could reside out of its own country. But we are getting challenged by customers who has a need in a specific region, a specific area, and a specific city. So uh, we, we have had plans of, of uh, doing something in uh, Denmark. Uh, those were a little bit put on pause, but it will probably be, be uh, reinitiated uh, later this year. So I, I, I think and I believe and I'm pretty sure that we will continue to grow, per, I think mostly in Norway. But we will as well get a footprint in, in different regions in the Norway, in the Nordics and Europe as well, but mainly to support the domestic workload that, that cannot be moved out of, of, of Norway. And, and, and by doing it together with customers, that's, that's moving their, their majority to, to Norway, but still needs to have some, uh, some left in, in their home country and building capacity to be able to, to, to handle that. Awesome. Tor, thank you so much. Um, I'm sure the uh, audience has enjoyed this as much as I have and look forward to catching up with you on your journey um, maybe in a year's time. It's been a pleasure to speaking to you, Dan. And uh, yes, we'll, uh, we'll join up again. Yeah, thank you very much.